social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, which is dePietro.com. You just click listen live. It is Thursday. It is January 6th. There is incredible political theater playing itself out. I cannot believe this is, folks, this is all Biden doing the big speech and Harris. <clears throat> this is all the run-up to the midterm elections. This is all an attempt. Democrat Party is dangerous. They're trying to get the focus off the president. They are trying to, number one, set the tone for the midterm elections that are coming up in November that will decide the Republicans are poised to take back both the House and the Senate. And this is all an attempt to try to they are trying to ensure that president trump never returns to the white house that's all it is this is ridiculous it was uncomfortable to watch it's embarrassing you know what i also realized is <clears throat> is republicans around the country should start to have anniversary rallies uh to commemorate the 2020 black lives matter riots that started after george floyd's death for instance you know obviously in minneapolis republicans should gather to remind people that they burned down the police station and all the damage that was done and remind people and you know say and remind people this should never happen again in providence you know i'm going to talk to people coming up on june 2nd of this year there should be a peaceful rally to commemorate the june 2nd it started on the night of june 1st 2020 and then it really broke loose in uh in june 2nd so either june 1st or june 2nd maybe june 1st but to to remind people of the B, the black lives matter rally that destroyed the providence place mall destroyed downtown providence all the damage that was done uh there could be a, a peaceful rally to commemorate the riot that happened after the jamal gonzalez incident when 22 people were arrested but i i think the the black lives matter rally where they destroyed all the businesses downtown many of them never reopened and just to remind people so what you're seeing today this is an embarrassment a january 6th was nothing more than tourists that were visiting washington with their selfies and flags and hats and wanted to just take a few pictures of themselves inside the capitol that was it it was a little bit of a rowdy crowd there was nothing more they left the building after they were told they had to leave the building did they burn the building no did they destroy the building no did they hold on to the building no it wasn't an armed insurrection it were people that were trump supporters and some tourists that were visiting washington and thought hey wouldn't it be nice to visit the capitol and then uh, took some pictures of themselves and friends and family inside with uh and but they there was no damage done inside the capitol the only person that died was one of the tourists ashley babbitt who was then uh needlessly and for no reason shot she wasn't armed she was a veteran of this country uh, there was absolutely no reason so all of this theater you're going to hear today there's a cicilline's office is pushing we were terrified it was like nine no it wasn't like 9 11 no a 9 11 you know three thousand people died changed the world changed the united states forever uh they took down two towers this was not 9 11 these people i'm still dealing with what happened on that well you know i again as i've said in the past i've sat years ago in the bleachers at fenway that was rowdier than what you saw with a bunch of tourists that just happened to be uh, in Washington. I've sat at some of the Patriot games, the old stadium, uh, Schaefer Stadium, uh, back in the 80s when the Patriots had terrible teams and uh, into the early 90s, but before Bill Parcells arrived. And, and you had rowdier crowds than what you saw. What you are witnessing today is nothing more than it's political theater and it's disgraceful that president biden is doing this but but this is this they have nothing else his his polling numbers are plummeting uh covid is a mess there's problems in uh, china in the ukraine and russia in taiwan uh the country inflation is high this is all to try to distract people from the real problems that are going on in the country so folks we're gonna give you the latest on that we're gonna give you the latest also uh covid continues to just spiral out of control Governor McKee has really lost control of the state at this point. Uh, I had said that this, the 30 days of January would almost decide uh, if he's going to be governor. And uh, here we are on the 4th. And I don't, 
Let's see if he's still standing on the 30th. It is like one calamity after another. There's also a story, I want to give credit to Channel 12, where uh, Mayor Alorza is planning to give $15 million of COVID money to just give it to the residents of Providence that they, he says were uh, disproportionately affected by the pandemic. Uh, that's ridiculous. The pandemic affect everyone. This is just, he continues down his activists. See, this is the problem. He shouldn't be given the power to give that money away. What does that mean? You know, that money should go to, so to what, people who, who don't even work? All these people that he wants to give the money to, they're already getting all these government services. They're already getting money. They're already getting food. They're already getting free housing. There's no reason to just give them cash. What about, you know, the business owners that are trying to make a go of it in Providence? So I'll talk about that and, and lay it out a little bit. But it's it's just more uh, activism is what it is. They, and, and, you know, I also, I have a problem with this whole business that Governor McKee decides to play Santa Claus. And where is he going to give these millions of dollars? It's all like just in a bid to try to buy themselves votes. Uh, the amount of money that's been flying around, that's our money, by the way. That's our money. That's taxpayer money. They may feel that they have the power to do whatever they want. But what a disgrace, Alorza. To, to try to act, you know, I, I take exception with that narrative that somehow people of color were, were greater uh, affected by uh, the whole thing that that happened. So it's not clear, Alorza, $10 million used direct payments to residents he said a public body will determine it, but it's actually fifteen million. It's fifteen million that he plans, and it's this whole way that Alorza describes it. You know, they again. I want to give credit to Channel Twelve. They go through how he's going to spend some of the money, uh, improve Kennedy Plaza, blah blah blah, uh, infrastructure. I get all that, and then, um, but then he also has this business the racial equity portion 10 million for reparations you know if you continue to pay people uh initially the 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 first number that i saw racial equity 15 million you know again what we've learned if you keep paying people not to work if you keep telling people you're a victim you deserve to be compensated they're they're not going to work they're going to take your word for it and then they're never going to work Folks, if you get a chance, check to Petro.com. There's a charter school in Providence. Check the requirements. I have a post on the website, and this is for K through 5. And you have to be, um, one of your skills is, you can read all about it. it. It Acknowledge privilege and racism. See, this is, if you want to wonder what critical race theory looks like, it's right there on the website to Petro.com. All these people deny that it's still, that it even exists. It's not being taught they're only selecting people teachers teaching assistants that will go along with it all right we have a lot more head right here on the john DePietro show make henry oil your oil provider this winter give them a call today call henry oil 401-521-0200 401-521-0200 henry oil serving most rhode island and southeastern mass automatic delivery budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Fuel, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial. It's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401 521-0200-401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original, go with the best. It's Henry Oil. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, uh, award-winning website, petro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, is our legal expert, uh, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, although we did and you were uh, gracious enough to join us uh, the other day on the air, I want to start off with, uh, well, actually the two very high-profile cases of uh, not only crashes, loss of life, and then people fleeing the scene. Um, actually, why don't we start off with the case of the couple leaving Twin River? Because that's that's uh that's even more 
bizarre, obviously uh, dreadful, but a couple apparently were Twin River. I, I don't think they've determined exactly how the car went off the road, but there was a loss of life. And then it it turned out that the driver apparently was the fiance of the victim. Yes, it's it's another tragic story. I mean, who knows really what happened? Um, I'm sure there'll be some accident reconstruction work performed by the state police, but these two left Twin Rivers, the guy's driving uh, with his fiance. The car goes off the road, it flips. Um, she dies um, and he leaves the scene. He runs away um, and turns himself in, I believe, the next day. Now, he will be charged, obviously, with um, driving to endanger death resulting. He'll be charged with um, leaving the scene of an accident, death resulting. Those are jail cases, um, you know, in a plea bargain situation, it's likely that a plea deal would include some time to serve at the ACI. This case, if we're speculating and we're hy hypothesizing about what might have happened, let's assume this driver was also intoxicated. I'm not accusing him. I'm saying what it, this is a what if. Sure. If he was intoxicated <clears throat> and if he had stayed at the scene, and the fiancé died as a result of his operation of that motor vehicle, um, DUI death resulting is a jail case which can put you in jail for 10, 12, 15 years easy. So if, he, if a person in that situation is intoxicated and if they leave the scene, certainly they're going to be charged with felonies, but if they turn themselves in a day later after they've metabolized whatever alcohol or other substances might have been in their system, they can avoid um, that potential criminal charge. Is it cowardly? Sure it is. Um, is it tactical? Potentially. Right. Um, can we say that he did it for sure to avoid those consequences? No, but it's certainly... Um, strikes me as something that one in that circumstance might consider doing, um, however unscrupulous and however cowardly that might be. And Tim Dodd, I, I did notice that he was, um, this Lincoln case, he was allowed out on bail. It, it is interesting. And I want people to realize that, you know, when someone gets pulled over, they, they can refuse the breathalyzer that in some ways, as we say, could be tactical. This is another level of that where they're fleeing the scene. It would certainly seem to be that maybe they could have been intoxicated. And, and Tim Dodd, what, what is right now the current penalty of leaving the scene of an accident? Because as much as people may not like it, un unless the law was tougher for someone who's trying to avoid heavier punishment in jail time. I, I, again, we're certainly not encouraging it, but strategically, it, it certainly seems to be like the right move for someone that's trying to escape a, a harsher penalty. Yeah, two things. It, it, this, this guy was, um, bail was set. He did make bail. It's a bailable case. Yeah. If he's got no prior criminal record, and if this is just an unfortunate night and uh, – number of bad things occurred in sequence which led to him leaving the scene yep. um he should be bailed it's a properly bailable case unlike the other guy uh segura who we'll get right. to but for leaving the scene of an accident um death resulting and if the gentleman has no prior criminal record legitimately he could get two to five years depending on what other you know um um exacerbating situ things might be discovered. Clearly there'll be video of what he was doing and she was doing at the casino. Was he drinking? Is it on video? All of that would be captured if that was in fact happening. How long were they at the casino? Had they been elsewhere earlier that evening? Is the guy talking or is he you know, doing the smart thing and keeping his mouth shut? But it's clearly a, a jail case. Um, mm in all likelihood because of the, you know, the death of the fiance and him running away that, that creates a situation which prosecutors would want jail 
you know, judges would want jail. Her family would want jail. And again, this guy's coming up on the heels of this Segura guy and a spotlight is going to be on him as well as Segura when it comes to any plea disposition. Mm. Um, you know, these are high profile cases that people will remember and uh, the media, I think will be keeping a close tab on both of these cases as to what happens to these two different defendants. So again, folks, just who with our legal expert attorney can dot and Tim, let's talk about it. Olivia Passaretti, Olivia, 17 years old, New Year's Eve. She's at home. She goes over to her sister's house. She's on her way home. Uh, she even, I think, was texting with her mother before she left the house. It's so terrible. She got on 95 South and then bounding along and, and apparently doesn't even deny that not only does he not deny he was drinking a little bit and smoking, but that he's seemingly was the driver of the car. This uh, Armis, uh, uh, as, as we had said his name, the defendant, and then you have a death resulting and and we had talked about this he he fled the scene he apparently came back to the car after leaving the scene right off of 95 and there were people stopping and calling 911 and uh the next thing you know he he then disappears again i'm going to guess he was he was looking for his his phone possibly or something or for whatever reason he was going back into the vehicle disappeared they couldn't find him um but as we had talked about, I would like to still recap what, what happened in court. It was it was very dramatic. Brought him in. He, he's being held. Um, Tim, we've had a, a little while to talk about it. People still have a lot of questions. Uh, I think the biggest question is still how was he out on the streets and not locked up after all these suspended sentences? Yeah, and, and that's the big question. And you know, folks who are not in the legal system every day might think, how the heck can this happen? But cases are plea bargained every day in court. Um, if this guy did not have this bad night where he, you know, caused the death of this young woman, no one would be the wiser and he'd be, you know, skating along through the system right. with piling up criminal convictions and plea bargaining his way out of, out of trouble. Um, it's not uncommon that the system um, disposes of cases for many other defendants, similar to what's happened to this guy. Um, I don't think he was cut any special breaks. This is simply the system. Additionally, you know, one can say to the judges who were involved in any of these plea bargains, what were you thinking? One can say to the prosecutors, what were you thinking? But we would have to really look at the facts and the details of every case. Yep. So we see that, you know, he um, got a disposition on a and e We see that he got a disposition on a third degree sexual assault. Um, driving a stolen vehicle, using a stolen credit card. Some cases that he, and I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but any good defense lawyer can take any set of facts and poke holes in it and yep. create issues. Uh, there could be search and seizure issues. There could be identification issues. There could be a multitude of defenses asserted in each of these cases, which might... Um, induce the prosecution to cut a deal. I mean, just because you see what the charges are and you see what the disposition is, you'd really have to parse each case to see how defendable it was, yep. what arguments were made by defense counsel, and what motivated the court to accept the plea in each of these cases. The end result sounds absolutely outrageous. How could this happen? But each case is different, and you know we don't yet know the details of all of these prior cases. I, I do know that, as we've discussed, this puts um, the attorney general a little bit on his heels. How could your prosecutors allow this to happen? Is this um, a symptom or is it a result of a push to be lenient in criminal cases, to not incarcerate 
to have, you know, lesser bails and things of this nature. And I think as a country, there's a pushback against these liberal policies, states with no cash bail situations, look at New York, look at California, look at what's going on. Now we've got our own case of a guy who keeps um, walking out of courtrooms and not doing significant time. It should be noted that he did time. He did a couple of years at one time. He did some time on a violation. So it's not like he skated on every single case. Right. But to the average person looking in at this to see the laundry list of crimes that he's been involved with, um, to the person who's not involved in the system every day, they're going to say, how the hell would this happen? How did this guy keep beating the system over and over again? Mm. Um, Maybe he beat the system, maybe he didn't, maybe he got an appropriate disposition on each case, but he's certainly going to get whacked with whatever disposition he gets now because yeah. he's, he's, as we said, he's the poster child for the system not potentially punishing people enough or giving them sufficient um, jail time. Hmm. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, come back a lot more, turning Tim Dodd, our legal expert, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. For heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401-885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com. Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508-252-3359. And in Rhode Island, 401 401- 885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I want to stay with this Armas Segura. Folks, he was the driver, crashed into 17-year-old Olivia, caused her death, fled the scene, came back to his car, fled the scene again. They couldn't find him. They even had the canine and apparently the drone. It's still surprising they couldn't find him. He was hiding. And then when they finally located him, he was under a bed. I did speak with the member of law enforcement, Tim Dodd, and he was pushing back a little bit, saying that because of, and it is true, he has an extensive criminal record. However, because there was no gun charge, you know, because he had not shot anybody, there were a lot of, there were some felonies and thievery and breaking and entering and things like that and violations, violating parole. But he, he described it as there was no major crime that they could hang their hat on and say you know here is a dangerous individual apparently he has children um he would have somebody write a letter saying he was gainfully employed uh the police officer was trying to make the argument that him or someone who was advising him knew different ways to kind of as you we say have played the system does that does that make sense to you that had he kind of walk through a minefield a little bit but if he had had a huge drug arrest or had a gun charge or something of that nature that really would have you know really thrown him off well i i think there's a lot um of legitimacy in those in what that member of law enforcement said yeah. to you i the most serious crime to, to my recollection was a b&e now right. you look at a b&e and that's a serious felony but what were the facts? What were the circumstances yeah. of that? How did access? How did he gain access? Was the was it? Is it a dwelling house? Was it occupied? Was it unoccupied? Was it night? Um, did he get anything? Did he have accomplices? Were they all pointing fingers at each other? There's a lot of um, work and investigation that would go into that. Um, 
if if this guy had kidnapped somebody, raped somebody, committed a first or second degree sexual assault, sure, um, those are much more serious crimes. I mean, yes. he he was committing a lot of crimes, and I think it's fair to say that, you know, they were on the, the shall we say, lower end of the spectrum of felonies right. that one can commit. Yep. The one other thing that police officer pushback was saying um, <clears throat> that that they feel they did their job. And, and pointed to, for instance, in May of just this past year, 2021, this Armas Segura, Warwick police pulled him over, driving with a suspended, revoked, canceled license, second offense. Police are saying, we did our job. There are people, it goes either the court system, attorney general, or there are people that don't follow the law. He, he actually, you know, he shouldn't have been driving on, on New Year's Eve. They, they bought, apparently, the Mercedes-Benz from somebody in Lincoln. They didn't, they didn't register at the Benz. They they took a plate off another car. Um, what, what do you make of that, Tim Dodd? Well, uh, again, this Segura guy did everything wrong. It sounds like he did everything wrong in life. Yeah. Um, cops can only arrest. They can investigate. They can arrest. They can present the case to um, the attorney general's office or to um, local prosecutors of the cities and towns if it's only a misdemeanor. And once the cops have done their job and they hand off their work to prosecution, state or local, it's up to the state or local prosecutors to follow through right. and to try to get a conviction or a plea bargain with the stiffest sentence that the facts allow for. It sounds like every one of these cases was plea bargain. Nothing went to trial to the best of my understanding. Yep. So, you know, if you have a criminal defendant, you you negotiate with the prosecutor, you, you conference with a judge. A defense counsel just doesn't sit there, sit there and say, how much time do you want to give my guy? You right. always are making an argument. You're, you're grinding on whatever facts. Um, right. And sometimes it's not just facts. It's legal standards of... Um, was there a probable cause for the arrest? Was there a good search sure. and seizure? Were there problems with the search and seizure? Almost any case gives defense counsel something to work with. Mm -hmm. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dutt. Tim, let's turn to the national front. Uh, starting with, this is an interesting story where <clears throat> apparently Fox News Channel, Sean Hannity, uh, was texting leading up to the January 6th uh, a year ago now, the anniversary, uh, Mark Meadows apparently had a conversation even with the president. He was communicating with the White House law office. They're now saying they want to talk with Sean Hannity. I believe his attorney, Jay Sekulow, said, you know, there's some dangerous First Amendment um, areas here that they're, they're concerned about. Uh, I, I, I agree. You know, Hannity, whatever communication, he was involved with the planning. If anything, he just sound to me sounded like it sounded like he was kind of sounding the alarm. I don't like the sound where this is going. This is down a dangerous path and so forth. But um, what, what do you make of these efforts and the legal element we're now there? I, I think that's dangerous. They say they want to talk with Fox News Channel Sean Hannity. Well, I think Hannity should refuse. He's got good legal counsel. I'm sure yeah. counsel will advise that we're <clears throat> refusing. Uh, right now, my understanding is they've asked Hannity to voluntarily come in and Ooh. talk. Uh, a subpoena has not yet been issued. I think that this committee knows that if they subpoena Hannity, they'll be in court lickety split. I mean, Hannity has to protect um, the First Amendment rights that he has, the freedom of the press rights that he has. Right. Now, the committee can say, well, wait a minute, you're not now just a journalist, you're a confidant, you're an advisor. Well, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but all of the things that he does, it's working your sources, isn't yes. it? You're yes. working your sources, you're trying to get the confidence of your sources, you're trying to get uh, people from the administration to come on your talk show, you're yes. trying to get inside information, you're trying to get you're supposed to be shielded and protected. Yeah, and you're trying to get information on back channels and you're trying to get people in the administration to talk to you and to give you stuff that you can use on your show and 
you're trying to schmooze them as as the journalist to um, get them on your show or get them to give you information. And you've got a right um, to protect your sources and what your sources say to you and what you say to them. Now, when it gets into now, instead of this speaking, that it's all on um, emails and texts. Yeah. Well, they say what they say and the committee has got what they've got. But if I'm Hannity, I'm not going to say a word and I would fight it like tooth and nail in any court. And I think that Hannity would be um, shielded under his freedom of the press rights, his first amendment rights. Um, It would set a dreadful, dreadful precedent if he was compelled to cooperate with this committee because right now this committee is going after the folks in the Trump orbit. Someday the shoe will be on the other foot. And I don't care which administration is, if it's a Democrat or a Republican administration and who's trying to smear the other, um, it would be a terrible precedent. And, you know, this committee in its attempt to um, get dirt on, president trump or his associates um i understand what they want to do and why they want to do it but someday the shoe is going to be on the other foot and um, there's a lot of overreach going on with this tim dad this is a rather new i don't want to say phenomenon but you know years ago you didn't have this whole business of subpoenaing it's one thing to get a phone record but another thing of the text messages in, in today's world that that's so much of how people communicate i i'm not i'm not sure i understand why how that's not a violation of a first amendment because you know someone's in a meeting they just respond hey i i'm getting nervous over the next 48 hours it's almost like they're having a conversation uh it is through text what i'm surprised that this hasn't been challenged more to say that it, it it's like a private conversation you know like having a conversation but it just happens to be through the form of text well, and, and this committee is, you know, blazing new trails and right. uh, creating um, new legal issues because they're reaching in further than these types of investigations have in the past to get to text messages and um, things of that nature. You're right. That is how people communicate. Um but as I've said many times on your air, be very careful what right. you put in writing because yes. it's all going to come back to bite you someday. Yeah. You must assume that whatever you put in a text or in an email is someday going to be seen by the world. Now, I understand if you're Hannity and you're you're dealing with folks at the White House, they're not going to be taking your phone calls. No. If you want to communicate, you got to do right. it by text. Yeah. Be very careful what you put in writing. Yeah. And they could be texting him while he's on the set. While he's doing an interview, I mean, there's a lot of different elements to it. Folks, another quick break. A lot more. Attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401 401- 305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in, you'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like Isae, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce, plus boxed herbs and teas, plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. You know, Tim, you called this Elizabeth Holmes case, I believe, um, she almost was successful. I think it's interesting. I think one of the jurors said, boy, she's tough to convict. They, she, she got, she, 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 I think they, you know, her attorneys did a good job and kind of made a way through anxious to hear your thoughts on, on how this went down. And, and if you think, well, if this is a win or this is just going to lead to, you know, more charges against someone else. 
I I thought she had a shot at getting off the hook on this because she clearly is a good salesperson. She clearly is good at selling herself. She was so confident that she could sell this jury that she got up on the stand for seven days, um, taking easy questions from her counsel and a barrage of hits from the prosecutors. And she hung in there. Um, She has a lot of personal magnetism. She's attractive. She's well-spoken. She's poised. She didn't get rattled. Um, I thought she could potentially pull it off. And I think if she didn't get up on the stand, uh, the, the consequences for her would have been a lot harsher. Uh, she was found uh, guilty on four of, I think, what was it, seven or eight counts, maybe yeah. nine counts. Um, the problem for her is the counts that she got hit on were the financial counts. Right. Um, and those counts uh, for investors who she allegedly defrauded total $144 million dollars. That's going to be a factor at sentencing. There were three other counts that the jury hung on. Those were for other financial investment counts, totaling maybe 10 or 12 million. Um, if she had gotten hit on the 12 million of investments versus the 144 million in investment, I think she would have had an easier time at sentencing. Um, the fact that she was found not guilty on some and the jury hung on others could have some influence on a sentencing judge because there was clearly doubt um, on outright doubt on some counts and enough doubt to hang the jury on others. Um, You know, you'll see media reports. She could get up to 20 years. She could get up to 20 years. Uh, She's not going to get 20 years, but she's going to get more than a decade, in my Mm -hmm. view, in prison. I think she'll get 12, 14, something like that. And there's going to be a restitution order for $144 million, which will dog her for life. And she'll probably be fined. I think it's 250,000 maximum per count. So four counts. So that'll be a million dollars tacked on. Uh, So she'll get 12 years, 13, 14 years, a million dollar fine and 144 mil in restitution. Now she did glom onto and marry some guy who is an heir to some hotel fortune. That's right. Um, Hopefully the guy's got a good prenuptial agreement. Um, she had a baby recently with this guy. So, you know, she might look for some sympathy that she's a new mom, but I don't think the judge will want to hear it. It is interesting that um, the j- couple of the jurors have recently spoken, um, basically saying, as you started out this segment, that they had a, a real hard time convicting yeah. her because they liked her so much. She was because so likable. So likable. Yes. Wow. That's how she got but, this problem in the first place. Most but, con people are. Yeah, she's a good con. Yeah. Um, the pro- <laughs> So they said, we think about this. They said we had a hard time convicting her because she was so likable. Then when they went on to say who were the most credible witnesses, um, the most credible witness was mad dog mathis he was he was one i mean she she conned and had so many people she had henry kissinger on the board she had george schultz former secretary of state on the board of directors she had big time um, wall street investors silicon valley people she had betsy devoe's investing she used to be the secretary of education under the trump administration yeah she had a real powerful board of directors and powerful investors the problem is those powerful investors who she ultimately conned they weren't going to take it sitting down and they came after her real hard so yeah. the these the jurors who spoke said we really liked her. We didn't want to convict her. We thought Mathis was a, a very credible witness, and they thought that Elizabeth Holm was the least credible witness. But despite her lack of credibility, they liked her personally. Yeah. And they didn't want to hit her. So Think of that. She, she's pretty good. She she's is. really good. She almost got away with it. 
yeah. definitely uh, someone like someone like a Dan Doyle could only aspire to. And Tim Dodd, <laughs> it, it is amazing. It's 2022, and we're still talking. This is very significant about the Prince Andrew and Jeffrey Epstein case, and there's some different elements to this. I'm, I'm sure the Royals cannot believe it's a new year and they're still dealing with this. Yes. <clears throat> right, right now, the Prince is trying to get off the hook because there's a um, settlement agreement between one of the victims and Jeffrey Epstein, where she settled with Epstein for $500,000. This goes back to, I believe, 2009, when that settlement was reached. Yeah. And in the general release that she executed, she released Jeffrey Epstein, his employees, agents, associates, his attorneys, and the interesting language is she also released, quote, any other person or entity who could have been included as a potential defendant from future legal action. That's very vague. It says who could have. And it seems implausible that this release could release all the other individuals who Epstein might have put this girl in contact with, who he might have trafficked her to, mm. does does that mean that um, this release would be intended to release um, Maxwell? Does it mean it's intended to release anyone else who was on the Lolita Express and might have had contact with her? Uh, it's unlikely that... Um, the judge will let Prince Andrew off the hook based upon this language. Um, traditionally, this type of language in a general release um, will not get someone like Prince Andrew off the hook. If I could give you, there's a Rhode Island case, um, which is somewhat similar. It'll take just a minute to explain it. A woman's on a motorcycle. She gets hit um, by a motor vehicle. So she has a personal injury claim against the operator of the motor vehicle. The claim is settled with the motor vehicle operator for the policy limit. The release says that the motor, the motor vehicle operator and anybody else out there is released in the sum of whatever it was, $100,000. Fast forward, um, she has the motorcycle that she was riding looked at, and there's a potential product liability claim a design defect in the motorcycle. So now she hires counsel and they sue the motorcycle manufacturer. Motorcycle manufacturer says, you can't sue us. You signed a general release with that insurance company. The court said, no, you were not the intended beneficiary of that general release. With a general release, not letting people who are clearly unintended off the hook. So I think if you analogize it and the judge in the Prince Andrew case seemed very skeptical of the argument that she should be the beneficiary of that release that was signed between the, the victim and Jeffrey Epstein. My prediction is the judge will reject that motion to dismiss and Andrew will stay in the case. Folks, finally, and again, we're speaking with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, um, the final story, who gets the dog after the divorce? Spain starts shared custody. I, I think, just think this is interesting. It's a new year. And to uh, shed a little perspective on how much of this that you deal with or from what you understand goes on as uh, more and more you're hearing of people, uh, couples taking legal action. It could be couples living together and or uh, actually married couples. But um Apparently, this is going on more and more where then there's a battle over the, the pets, especially the dogs. Yes, Spain is really way out front <laughs> in terms of a court determining who gets the dog and who is the fit and proper person to have the dog and who can best care for the dog. Um, in family courts in Rhode Island, not that the system is insensitive, but the courts treat pets much like any other chattel, we, we can all appreciate that pets are loved, they're family members, um, they're near and dear to our hearts, but the courts don't look at pets like they do in the marriage. They look yeah. at pets like 
a piece of furniture, not to use a harsh example, but it's just another asset of the parties for um, to be divided between them in some form or fashion. Um, the courts are not going to get into contested evidentiary hearings about who's the best person to have fluffy. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Some states are much more proactive in recognizing um, the special place that pets have in our lives. In Rhode Island, let's assume, God forbid, a person is um, walking the dog and a car drives erratically and hits and kills the dog. Um, you would not have a claim as the dog owner for your emotional damage for being in the zone of danger when your dog gets um, killed by the um, erratic motorist. If you have the same situation, let's say in Hawaii, you would have a claim because the Hawaiian courts and Hawaiian law would recognize the special relationship that we have with our pets and you would be able to seek um, damages for your emotional injury in that jurisdiction, but wow. you would not in this jurisdiction. Hmm. So pets create very complex problems in a state-by-state -state analysis because pets are not just another piece of furniture. They're right. integral parts of our lives Yep. And, you know, the family courts are loath in this jurisdiction to really dig into um, determining who gets the pet in an yep. adversarial situation. It's a tough one for the courts. And yep. typically it's up to the parties to come up with some mechanism between them. The court's happy if the parties say, well, okay, you're going to get the, the dog every other weekend for visits. If that's agreed between the parties, the court will sanction it, but the court's not going to get involved in coming up with a visitation schedule for the pet as between two divorced people. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a very, it's a very sticky topic, and it's a deal breaker in many divorce cases where the people just can't come to terms about what to do with their pets. Right. It's a tough one. Folks, again, he is our legal expert. It is a new year, and uh, already it is uh, going to be a very, very busy year with all the legal issues. Tim Dodd, great job as always. Happy New Year, and we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Take care. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident? Someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best, and if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired. 401-272-3340. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you can receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Portion of the program brought to you by the Coesed Inn. 
Check them out on the website, dipetro.com, the Coesedin or Rhode Island tradition since 1977, located 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge, whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers. There's always a great crowd. You can link directly to them, and gift certificates are available. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, dipetro.com. Now, while you're there, uh, there's a lot of exclusive stories. Folks, we cover stories the rest of the media ignores. It's real news, whether it's video that we're out at a crime or a protest or various things that are happening, plus other exclusive stories that we break Log on at the website. That's also the best way to reach me, by the way. If you'd like to get in touch with me, just scroll down a little bit. You'll see a, a button that says Contact John. You can also support the program. You you can also get some great merchandise in the shop right there at DePetro.com. And it's all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, so you can watch Facebook Live, or also Twitter, or YouTube, or Instagram. So take a minute, and then also we have some great sponsors there as well. It is a happening. Check it each day. It's depetro.com. Petition Shooting Supplies. Stop in and see John Francis, located 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Stop in and see my gun guy, Competition Shooting Supplies. This is where I buy my firearms. You can call him at 401-727-1716. Firearms, ammunition, accessories. Look for them also on Facebook. He'll always post updates of inventory, both firearms, ammunition that they get on Facebook. And on top of that, remember, if you're listing right now and maybe you have some firearms that you don't need anymore, or use anymore, or maybe someone passed away and has some kind of a gun collection, bring it in. You could either sell it to competition or you could sell it on consignment. Gift certificates are also available. Stop in and see Competition Shooting Supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Call John Francis, 401-727-1716 for Competition Shooting Supplies. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipetro.com. Check out the website, dipetro.com. We have original, unique exclusive stories videos content all our links to social media facebook twitter instagram youtube it's all right there and that's also the best way to reach me log on at the website depetro.com depetro.com brothers disposal call brothers disposal today get a purple dumpster for your driveway how do you know it's brother's disposal because it's a purple dumpster look for them on facebook and give them a call for an estimate 401-688-0517 get a dumpster in your driveway maybe you're cleaning out your basement your garage unwanted belongings maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out clean it out with brother's disposal they're also now offering weekly trash collection services call brother roland today at brother's disposal 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven. Look for them on Facebook. Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven.